Let's continue here on Box to Row. We are joined by a gentleman, as a matter of fact, a legend. He is in the Black College Football Hall of Fame, the CIAA Hall of Fame, and the MEAC Hall of Fame. He is the voice of HBCU sports, but he's done so much more in his career. We're going to talk a little bit more about that. He's the one and only Charlie Neal, joins us here on Box to Row. Charlie, welcome to the program. Well, thank you so much. Always a pleasure being with you, Donald. Absolutely. And I'm going to tell you what, I had an absolute blast working with you at the uh, HBCU All-Star Game uh, in New Orleans. We had a, you know, certainly a, a, a great time there. See, I, I, I introed you as the voice of HBCU Sports. You've been doing this a long time, and you're still doing it. You do all of it, tennis, track and field, baseball, softball. You, you've been doing this for many, many years and still enjoy doing it. I do. I really do get uh, enjoy doing it. In fact, I, this whole I haven't had a break since uh, since football season started. And you know, you think, well, basketball's over, so you know, maybe I can take it easy and and join some of those teams that lost in the NBA playoffs in Cancun. <laughs> but but <laughs> it hasn't been that way. Uh, I've got uh, last well, I've done bowling last week. I did softball. I've got tennis this weekend. Next weekend, I've got outdoor track and field. And the following weekend, I've got uh, outdoor track and field again. Uh, one is the Division Two, and the other one's Division One championships. And then uh, baseball right after that. So it's – but I'm not mad. I'm, I'm happy. I'm glad. And uh, it's – you know, to be able to do it as long as I have been able to do it, and then people still call me and, and want me to be a part of what they're doing, it makes me feel good that – at least I'm, I'm still, I still have something to contribute, apparently. And <laughs> that makes me feel good, yeah. No question about it. I mean, you started with HBCU Sports in 1980 with BET. And I mean, before that, I mean, you were doing a whole lot. And, you know, b- b- being able to spend some time with you, I know we've had some interaction w- with me on the media relations side and you doing what you do, but not the interaction that we had uh, a couple of weeks ago. I learned so much. Before I even talk about all of the things you did before BET came along uh, in in 1980 for you at HBCU Sports, how have you seen the landscape of black college sports change in all of those years? Well, it, it changed tremendously. In, it went up and we came back down and it's going back up again. Uh, one of the things, uh, and we talk about BET, uh, first of all, the, the you have to remember that HBCUs back in the 60s, 70s were very popular in terms of uh, athletes moving on to the next level. And that's because those athletes, the the Willie Lanier's of the world, the Lem Barney's of the, uh, they, they couldn't go to Ole Miss and they couldn't go to Alabama. They couldn't go to Texas and a lot of those schools. So, uh, a lot of those, uh, I said, quality and, and top-notch athletes that went on to play at the next level came from historically black colleges and universities, and that was long before integration. And so when integration started, Alabama started bringing in black athletes, and Ole Miss and Texas and the schools in the South and Southeast started bringing in uh, African-American athletes, then the landscape in terms of the uh, qual- I, oh, I don't want to say the quality, but 
the, the top-notch players were not at those HBCUs. Yes, there were still some there, but it wasn't like you, when you looked at Grambling and how many people they sent to the pros or Jackson State sent to the pros or Southern University sent to the pros. Now, basically, they all came out of that era of the 60s and 70s, you know. And so when integration came about, when those African-American athletes could still to, could go to the PWIs, then some of that shiny uh, armor was taken away from the HBCUs. But I, what has happened recently, and you, I, I give Deion Sanders a lot of credit for some of this, uh, is young people are starting to understand and, and I've been preaching this all along, but, you know, it's one thing to, to, to say it, but for, for them to witness it and for it to happen to them, then they understand that if you are good enough as an athlete, they will find you. You know, you don't have to be, you could be at uh, 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 Xavier University at NAIA school. If you can play, they know about you. You know, and that's the that's been my my uh, um, platform that I've been preaching to young athletes all along. Uh, go where you want to go. First of all, if you go to an HBC, you're going to get a quality education. You're not going to be just a number. And we and, and I preach to coaches also. I said, you know, develop a, a rapport with an athlete. If you really want that kid, don't just say because, well, I know I don't have a chance to get him because he's a blue chip and he's uh, all this and all that, and McDonald's All-American and all this stuff. Okay, so he is. But he may get to wherever he's going, whether it be Notre Dame or Southern Cal or Wisconsin or Illinois or Michigan or Maryland, and things are just not working out for him. Because you got to remember, those schools, when they recruit, you know, there's eight kids coming in playing that position you're playing that were McDonald's All-Americans <laughs> in, in, or All-State or All-City, wherever they came from. So the competition is even stiffer when you go to those schools. So when things don't work out, if that coach has a rapport with that young man or young lady, they can those those kids may reach out to them and say, hey, look, especially the way this transfer portal is going now, it's gone off the hooks. It's really out of control. Right. But again, we're seeing that these kids are coming to HBCUs from other schools, uh, from the PWIs, from the major the, the major five, the top five uh, schools, conferences, the Southeast Conference and the Big Ten and the Big East and the, uh, the you know, the ACC and, and the Pac-12 and, you know, the Big 12. They're, they're coming into these HBCUs uh, because there's been a relationship. So we're seeing that surge come back up. The NFL draft is being held. So it's going to be interesting to see based on a number of things that's happened when no players from HBCUs, no kids from HBCUs were drafted last year to see what, how that transforms and how that's going to, to uh, move the needle in another direction because there are a lot of kids that their names are out there. They may not be the first round draft choice or second, but they're going to get drafted. And before they knew these kids were there, they knew they could play. But, you know, if you don't draft them, you don't have to pay them as much. Right. You know, you sign as a free agent, you can come in and, you know, you're just happy that you get an opportunity to play. So you're going you're gonna to take whatever they give you, you know? Yeah. But as a drafted player, you, you, you're guaranteed to make at least 
X amount of dollars. So it's going to be interesting to, to keep an eye on the, the NFL draft and see what happens with kids from HBCUs. Again, in, in talking with you, and it's just a lot of stuff I didn't know. So take us through how you even got into as, as, you know, as succinct as, as, as you can, because we got a lot to get to. In terms of how you even got into broadcasting, you were one of the first black play-by-play men when you're talking about NFL, NBA, in major college football. Yeah, I I was very fortunate. I was in I guess in the right place at the right time. Uh, the, the whole my whole career in television basically started in Washington D.C. at the NBC station, and uh, at the time, uh, this was back in 1970. They were specifically looking for an African American to join their sports team. Jim Simpson, Dan Daniels, and Morris Siegel were the big names in sports in Washington D.C. at that time, and Jim Simpson was big at, at NBC. He was the uh, uh, the uh, Brian Gumble of NBC at the time, uh, back in the 70s. So uh, they were looking for an African-American and they had a tryout. Myself, Kurt Flood, the baseball uh, player, and and uh, I don't know why I'm having a problem with his name. Ron Pinckney. Mm-hmm. Ron Pinckney was, we were the three that, that, uh, that auditioned for the job. Fortunately, I got it. And uh, that's how my TV career took off. I was doing sports locally in Washington, D.C. I was the weekend sports anchor at, at the NBC station, which is an owned and operated station in Washington. I went from there to Philadelphia to Channel 6, which is an ABC station there, and then from there to Detroit to CBS, and then from there to New York. So I was very fortunate because most people, when you start out in this business, you start out in Lexington, Kentucky, in Auburn, Alabama. I mean, <laughs> with Dowie, Alabama you know, Podunk, Mississippi, you know, and then you work your way up to, to the, the different markets. But to start out in a major market like Washington, D.C., work in a major market like Philadelphia, a major market like Detroit, and a major market, the number one market in the country, New York City. Uh, I was very fortunate. And then during that time, uh, BET was brought into uh, fruition uh, by Bob Johnson. And we had a meeting, and he told me that he was interested in putting together uh, a black network which would feature uh, black college sports and asked me if I would be interested. I didn't know Bob, and he didn't know me, really. Someone gave him my name, and we met, and uh, I, I believed in what he wanted to do because the only time you saw any black colleges being featured was maybe once or twice a year ABC might do a game and they would pick up maybe something with Grambling because Eddie Robinson was big, like Dion is now today. Eddie Robinson was that that person that that garnered a lot of attention uh, back in the in the in those days. And so you would see maybe one one game a year, maybe two. So Bob Johnson changed that whole landscape by putting together BET and then us doing a game a week. And we did that. I did that for 23 years with him. You know, not only football, we did baseball. I mean, I'm sorry, correction. Uh, we did basketball, and we did a lot of uh, features. We did the UNCF golf tournament. Uh, we did. Uh, we covered the All-Star Game uh, at the NBA All-Star Games. We covered um, the, the World Series of Baseball, Super Bowls. You know, we were a presence at all of these events uh, of magnitude. You know, that's when I first met Dion. He's between baseball and football. 
and we became pretty good friends back then because he had, had decided he was not going to talk to any uh, media because somebody misquoted him or something he didn't like. And he got into an altercation with one of the sportscasters, uh, and he just was not talk- And he would talk to me. You know, he'd come out to batting practice, and you know everybody would be standing around. This was during the World Series. We were up in Toronto, and uh, he didn't want to. He wouldn't talk to any reporters and he saw me he said hey you want to interview me I said yeah he said come on <laughs> you know, so, so it was just one of those type things you know so you, I've developed a, a, a good relationship with athletes over the years and uh, I, I mean I sat when he was at LSU I remember him and, and interviewing his dad at the NBA All-Star game you know so I, I've been very fortunate to be in a lot of places when things were happening. I did the first ever Goodwill Games that was in Moscow in 1986. You know, that was after the the United States had boycotted the Olympics, uh, and we went to Russia. Ted Turner and I went over there, did gymnastics and track and field, basketball. I mean, it was it was great. So. <laughs> Man, no question about it. The one and only Charlie Neal joins us here on the program. And then before there was Ernie Johnson with respect to the NBA, there was Charlie Neal. Yeah, I, I did the, uh, the I did the NBA show. We used to do Tuesday Fridays. Every Tuesday and Friday, TNT. Well, back then it wasn't TNT. It was CBS. And uh, I did the, the pregame halftime show. And I also did some NBA games play by play uh, that started in 1985 I believe it was with me uh, with them and uh, like I said it, it was it was enjoyable I did that show uh, every every Tuesday and Friday from Atlanta and then I did a Sunday night show with Nick Charles called the core sports page so I was back in, and I was still living in the Washington DC area so I was on a plane you know, almost every day of the week going somewhere because then on the weekends I would do a game for BT. And it got so bad when I wake up not knowing where you, what city you'd wake up and try to figure out where I'm supposed to go today. What, what am I supposed to do? But when it really got bad was when you wake up at home and try to call room service. So that was, (laughs) (laughs) but uh, it's all good. It's enjoyable. I wouldn't trade it for anything. But I'm very, like I said, I've been very fortunate. If I don't live another day, another minute, uh, I've been able to experience some things and do some things some people can't even dream of. No question about it. The one and only Charlie Neal joins us here on the program. It's interesting because in talking with you, like, you you, you know, when you were in Detroit, you were doing, um, you know, a major college basketball. I remember you talked about doing a game with Dick Vitale. You were doing Lions <laughs> Games. You did the NBA. You were still doing BET. So you were doing what you wanted to do, no question. I mean, by the way, before the uh, – they they should call you the original fly jock, by the way. Uh, with all, <laughs> Yeah, right? Like you were all over the place doing a bunch of different stuff, doing what you love to do. Do you feel as though um, you – were there some other things maybe that you wanted to do? Do you feel like you've gotten the true credit that – you in fact deserve as a pioneer as a pioneer broadcaster you, you know i i don't i i've never been one who looked for attention i've and worried about what other people thought about what i should get what i shouldn't get or, you know or should i yeah you always think well i 
I would love to be the guy who does a Super Bowl. It didn't happen. Okay, but it, it's no big thing because, like I said, I've done. You can only there's only so many people who broadcast Super Bowl. <laughs> it's only so many people that can do certain things. So I, I'm not upset that it doesn't happen. Sometimes you do get pigeonholed. When I came along with ESPN, they basically brought me in because that was when ESPNU started, uh, began in 2005, and they basically were focusing on historically black colleges and universities because BET had stopped doing sports at that time. And they brought me in, and a lot of times when you see things, it says, you know, as the uh, voice of HBCUs and stuff like that. But I didn't just do black college games for ESPN. I did uh, Southeastern Missouri State. I did Kent State. I did University of Buffalo. You know, I did University of Akron. I mean, I did other games for them. Uh, I did Utah basketball. I mean, I, you know, so I, you know, I was not in a position where they did not allow me to do other things. My primary focus was because of my association with HBCUs. They felt that it was very important for that association to continue. And that was why a lot of times most of the stuff that I did was with HBCUs. But I'm, but I'm grateful. You know, I'm grateful that I had the opportunity. I'm grateful that I had the ability. And I'm grateful that somebody thought enough of me to say, hey, we need to bring him on to do this. Man, very well said. The one and only Charlie Neal joining us here on Box to Row. Quick, real quick, Charlie, where can we check you out? I know you're still obviously broadcasting games. Well, between, between HBCU Go and ESPNU and ESPN Plus, and <laughs> there's a bunch of different groups doing things like uh, I'm doing CIAA uh, tennis championships this weekend. That's going to be in Petersburg, Virginia. Then I'm headed to, I got the CIAA Outdoor Track and Field Championships next week. And then the following week, I've got the MEAC track, Outdoor Track and Field Championships. And after that, I've got the MEAC Baseball Championships. So, and so I, yeah, my, my plate's a little full. <laughs> so, <laughs> but I, and, and, and yeah. if you ask me, if you ask me when, what channel it's on, I don't know. <laughs> I, I just, you know, I just show up, I do my thing, and the producers, they do it, they, they, they have all that information, you know? Right. They have all and the, and, the, and the conferences have that information. I don't even know. <laughs> I, all I know is they're going to pay me. They, they get me there. You know what I'm saying? So, right. so I, and I, I don't worry about it. You know, I know that, and what I try to do is go in and give the student athletes the, the best I can do in terms of bringing recognition to them. You know, I saw Jerry Rice in his infancy. I saw a lot of these players when they were, you know, uh, the, the uh, Charles Oakleys and those people, Ben Wallace's, when they, you know, so I've I've seen these people when they were coming up and coming, you know. So I, I've been very fortunate and to be able to rub elbows with these guys. Fifty plus years in the broadcast business, still going strong. He's the one and only Charlie Neal joins us here on Box to Row. Charlie, we could do this all day i really appreciate the time i really appreciate a lot of the history lessons that you gave me in our about what 36 hours uh in new orleans that we spent together man we look forward to talking with you real soon 
Anytime, Donald. Anytime, man. I appreciate you calling.